Welcome to Around the Writer's Table, a podcast focusing on the crossroads of creativity, craft, and conscious living for writers of all ages and backgrounds. Your hosts are Gina, Melody, and Kimbu, three close friends and women of a certain age who bring to the table their eclectic backgrounds and unique perspectives on the trials, tribulations, and the joys of writing. So pull up a chair and get comfortable here around the writer's table. Welcome back, writers. This is Kimbu with Around the Writer's Table here with my co-host. We are on episode 32, Believe It or Not. <laughs> I am still having trouble believing that sometimes. We've been at this for a while, and I'm thrilled with what we've been talking about. This actual episode is a continuation of an episode we started. Uh, Gina, it was, it was two episodes ago. It was episode 30? No, actually, it was episode 29, and uh-huh. which is why we need a recap, because in between, <laughs> you and I talked about subscriptions, right? and we talked about serials. Right. So now we're getting back on, not back on track, but now we're getting back on our plan with the creativity quest. And so we are continuing some discussion. Gina's going to go over all of that and recap it for us. But first, a few introductions just for new listeners. Uh, I'm Kimbu. I'm a novelist. I write genre romance and fantasy fiction as well as nonfiction. I'm also a productivity coach for authors. I love writing. I love talking about writing. And I love helping other writers write. I'm here with my co-hosts, and we're welcome. We're so excited. We're welcoming back Melody as we record this. uh, It's the first time we've had her back for an episode for a little while. She's been traveling. I don't know. Do you even remember who we are, Melody? And who are you again? Just vague recollection of friends (laughs) far away. (laughs) (laughs) It seems like a lifetime since Mm. we were last together in person. I know y'all have done the Mm. retreat and all that fun stuff. But uh, I, yeah, I'm Melody, a scout, and I help my clients find their sense of home by restoring balance and harmony to their lives through plant spirit medicine and my book, Soul of the Seasons. So glad to be here again. So happy to have you back. And of course, our other, our third musketeer here is Gina. We've already heard a little bit from you, Gina. Hi, ladies. Hello, listeners. It's great to be here. I'm Gina Hogan-Edwards, and I am a previously mentioned retreat host. (laughs) (laughs) I am also a creativity coach. I write historical fiction. And one of my passions is supporting women and finding their voices and really leaning into their creative selves. And you are very good at that. As we record this, Gina and I got back from the retreat she had. Uh, about a week and a half ago, was on the Gulf Coast of Florida. It was magical. There's so much writing and creativity flowing through there. I am so lucky I got to go, Gina. You're just great to have you there. Ah, thank you. But now it's time to get back to work. We are starting off with a recap of the creativity cycle for listeners who haven't been following us along. And then we're going to jump into what we've been talking about inviting authentic existence. So Gina, take it away. What are we doing today? Well, since listeners will be hearing this in January, 
And the last that we talked about inviting authentic existence would have been in our, I think our early November episode, 29. And we've had the holidays in between. So I'm just going to briefly touch on each of the um, guideposts within the creative creativity quest that we've talked about so far, uh, especially to bring up any um, new listeners to where we uh, stand currently. Yeah, good idea. So I need a refresher too. So, well, it you know, since all of us on the creative journeys, uh, even though we experience them in different ways, there are a lot of similarities, and we all go through these different phases or stages uh, in different in different ways, but in similar ways. So, to sort of recap, um, this is a process that is not linear. Uh, We talk about it being cyclical, but in a way it's also not that in that we can repeat stages. We can loop back to stages in a non-sequential order. Um, And if you're a creative person, you will completely understand that. (laughs) (laughs) So the stages that we've talked about so far. (laughs) The looks on our faces, listeners, of course you can't see us, but the looks on Melody and my face when when she said that was very telling. And I think I heard... (laughs) Melody moan. (laughs) As we know, the creative journey is both painful and joyful. So (laughs) here we roll. So um, what I call the first guidepost, but you may not experience it as the very first thing, but in a way it is logical that we enter into our creativity at this stage. It's called carrying inner disquiet. And that's when we recognize that we have this desire or urge to write, and either because of internal or external reasons, we are not leaning into that in a, in a truthful way. So caring in our disquiet is our C. Our R was releasing, and that's when we release the resistance and the distractions, and we open up to a willingness uh, to do something about that disquiet and that longing to write or create. Our E is emulating and mirroring. That's our muscle building stage where we may um, look to our mentors and our teachers to see what else we can learn. Then our A is assessing and acknowledging uh, where we review what we've learned so far. We recognize the growth that we've gone through and we also recognize the growth that we still have to do. And then our T is taking ownership. And that is where our our authenticity really begins to show up. Uh, We start to diverge from those mentors and really explore a greater mastery in our craft. And all of those, those first five that I've just gone over, mostly involve inner work, not so much outer work. And so the next Mm -hmm. guidepost, which we're going to be recapping today, And we talked about in depth in episode 29 is inviting authentic existence. And that is really opening up to a newness because this is where the outer work really kicks in. This is when we start to really invite and engage in the outer aspects of the creative process. We start to show our work more. Um, Oh, no. I know, I know. Um, the There's an excitement, but also an uncertainty because this can really be a new world for us. 
um, especially if it's the first time that we're showing our work or if it's a brand new project that we've never shown to anyone before. Uh, we will, in this guidepost, start to get feedback from others, and that's where the potential for judgment shows up and can be very uncomfortable. Um, it, it's That's where, when I mentioned a newness, um, that's where we have to reach out for sort of um, creating new guidelines for ourselves and how we operate in the world. So one of the things that I want to uh, emphasize in this episode, since we did go in depth on this guidepost the last time, uh, of course, I want to flush that out a little bit more, but I particularly want to focus on the nuances between the previous guidepost, which was taking ownership, and this guidepost of inviting authentic existence. And as I mentioned, one of the biggest differences is taking ownership involves inner work. It's when we're claiming for ourselves what it is that we want to put out into the world. It's when we're recognizing how our values and our beliefs are showing up in our work. It may be a time when we start to recognize patterns in the kinds of maybe topics or themes that we write about. Whereas inviting authentic existence is the external work. We start to show our work more. We start to really live into those values and beliefs that are showing up in our writing in a real way that other people can see. And there's this sort of um, almost a dichotomy or I guess maybe there's two ways that this can show up, okay? So it may be that you as a creative person have sort of been, have held your work close, you know? Like maybe you've mm -hmm. been maybe hiding it a little, you know? Writing is a solitary process, so it's easy for us not to let other people know that we're doing it, Um not showing that work. And so when we step into this stage of inviting authentic existence, if we've held that work close and not put our true selves out there, we've, we've lived into it in private, right? We've lived into it in the writing that we're doing that we haven't shown yet, but we're not mm -hmm. living it externally yet because we haven't shown our writing to people. When we actually step into doing that, people can see us as different when what we're actually doing is being ourselves. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's, so that's one way of experiencing this. Then also as we submit or lean into the creative process, we sometimes will unearth or discover parts of ourselves that we never recognized and that we had never lived into. And so when we begin to put that out there, it seems foreign, not only to other people, but to ourselves as well, because it's a new part of ourselves that we recognize. Oh, interesting. Does that make mm -hmm. sense? Mm -hmm. So it's almost like two different ways of experiencing this where, you know, we've, we've had some self-honesty within our writing, 
that we may have not had the courage to put out to the world. So we put it out to the world and then they suddenly see us as different when all we're doing is being ourselves. And in the other case, it's a unearthing or a discovery of parts of ourselves that we didn't even know existed. And so when we do put them out into the world, suddenly we feel different to ourselves as well as to other people. Well, I, I have to admit that's that's pretty deep. Like I'm ra- trying to wrap my head around this around as as like the 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 relationship between the internal work and the external work that makes total sense to me. Mm-hmm. And so what what you're saying now is that there sometimes can be friction between those two points. Not because you're not being true to yourself, but because of either you didn't know something about yourself that your writing reveals, mm-hmm. or you're showing a side of yourself to people who weren't expecting to see that. Yes. Did I recap it? Yes, you did. Um, I have been working with uh, an intern this semester, and she had an observation when we were talking about, you know, what are the differences between the taking ownership guidepost and the inviting authentic uh, existence guidepost? And she said that she sort of envisions this transition that goes on uh, between assessing and acknowledging and then into taking ownership and then into inviting authentic existence in this way. So she sees assessing and acknowledging as setting yourself up for valuing your progress and your voice, which is what you're doing Mm -hmm. in taking ownership. Mm -hmm. So that's that internal process. And then once you move into inviting authentic existence, that's where you get to test all of your skills and your confidence and courage in the real world, outer work. Okay. Yeah, that does make sense. So my question to you ladies in talking about the two guideposts of taking ownership in this inner work and inviting authentic existence, which is the outer work. So they're very similar in a lot of ways, but that's kind of the defining difference. I would love to know how you have experienced the transition either from not being a writer to being a writer, or if you've like always considered yourself a writer, uh, from putting out a project that you've held close. So moving from inner work, not showing to outer work, presenting yourself as a writer to the world or presenting this new project to the world. Share with me how you may have experienced that in the past. Yeah, Melody, share with us how you I'm smooth. I'm real good at this. <laughs> Talk about being a pantser. Okay. <laughs> you just throw me right out there. Um, so what I was thinking about, because I have not always considered myself a writer, maybe in my late 30s, early 40s, I was in a really difficult place personally. And I just started writing as an outlet, Mm. some sort of creative outlet, because quite frankly, it didn't cost me anything to write. 
I didn't have to have fancy tools or machines to do it. I could just do it. I didn't have to have materials. I could just write. And it was, uh, as many first-time writers are, they kind of have an angst-filled novel, loosely or not so loosely based on their own life, which is pretty common, I think, from early writers. Mm -hmm. I wrote 350 pages of what another writer friend who Spenny and I really held dearly called too depressing. So (laughs) (laughs) And that was just the first chapter. (laughs) Um yeah. Um and and we love honesty in our friends, but sometimes (laughs) uh that's our whole thing about bringing it, it into the outer world. And uh, we've talked about this before, bringing it out too soon, perhaps, um, Mm -hmm. which has been my MO. But I think there's something alchemical that happened when I wrote that continues Mm -hmm. to happen that brings these ideas that float around or could be triggered by a single sentence in a book or overhearing a conversation. And this whole storyline is birthed. Um, That part alone is pretty exciting. And then me writing it down and shaping it is a whole other exciting process. Now getting to my authenticity, authentic self, inner, you know, and outer, um, I would say I didn't really connect with that until I had been writing for a number of years. I wrote a lot of stuff. I wrote a lot of different stuff. I wrote erotica. I wrote articles for nonfiction magazines. I wrote um, blog posts and journaled and all this stuff. And I, I think it wasn't until I found... Uh, took my course in plant spirit medicine that five element medicine spoke to me and it drew all these things together that felt authentic to me and felt authentic in a way that I could live them, Mm -hmm. not just write about them. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if that answered your question at all, Gina, but that was sort of my journey in the writing process of you know allowing the inner and the five element medicine to be honest um, requires you to unearth your authentic self I mean it's all woven in throughout that's the whole underlying premise you know we bring Mm -hmm. about balance and harmony through being your authentic self so yeah, I can see how that would be um, an ignition point then for you to really lean into your writing. And I experienced something similar when I was facilitating the Women Speak circles. Um, you know, like like you said about plant spirit medicine, the idea of um, really leaning into your authentic self is just, you know, such a uh, intrinsic part of the process of woman speak that 
it enabled me to pull closer my writing process and be more confident about putting it out in the world. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm curious. I know you've told the story in the past and, and longtime readers, I'm sure, are familiar with it. The story of you sharing it too soon, Melody, when mm-hmm. you, you got the bad feedback. And mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm, since we're familiar with the story, you know, it's the idea that you shared it too soon. You got feedback that you weren't looking for and wasn't helpful for you. But what was the motivation at that point to share it at that point? Like, like we're talking about, I guess, between the balance of self-awareness and self-authenticity and then sharing it out in the world. Um, I think talking about that, your reasons for doing that might help some of our listeners, because I'm sure a lot of them are confronting that kind of urge or feeling and they're not sure if they're ready at that point or not. And that seems to be an important aspect of this. Gina and Bob. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I had been thinking about that too. Um, when I was in the middle of writing Soul of the Seasons, uh, it was very early on, actually. I had for a few chapters under my belt. I was really excited about it. I wanted to share it with someone else, you know. Mm. Oh, look at I found. Um, <laughs> and their response was, eh, it's okay. I don't understand any of it, but well, you go on and do your thing sort of thing, which was not what I was looking for. Um, and it was uh, really hard. I, she wasn't being unkind. She was just being truthful about mm. where she was in the process. Who, and this person, by the way, was not another writer that did not understand the writing process mm. and the under, you know, the need for revisions and bringing it in, you know. So, what I came to understand about that was I was just looking for a cheerleader at that point. Mm-hmm. It was a monumental undertaking to write about this subject, um, which I became more and more aware of to me. It's a very complex a system of balance and harmony that's been studied and refined for 23 centuries or more. Uh, and and here's little me you're like I, I'll write about that you know like <laughs> like I could do that right so I I just needed that during that process but uh, also it reflected to me the aspect uh, and this ties it back to authenticity for me was the aspect of myself that was um, a people pleaser I want mm, to other and and I wanted approval from for mothers, for what mm-hmm. I was doing. Mm-hmm. And I really needed to have that experience to become more grounded in what I knew to be the authenticity of what I was writing and my own authenticity, which is, you know, as I'm thinking the whole subject of authenticity, to me, it's sort of like the glue that holds everything together in all of the processes, both the seasons Uh and the creativity cycle. Because you can't fully embrace any of these seasons or cycles uh, without this grounding in authenticity. And it Mm. makes it, and it makes each season actually much easier and much easier to understand as we know who we are 
and we know who our authentic voice was and is. Mm. Mm. So there. <laughs> so there. <laughs> this is a deep episode, y'all. So I, <laughs> I see a real distinction of that moving from taking ownership into inviting authentic existence. I'm realizing and listening to what you were saying, Melody, how important the development of resilience is. Mm-hmm. And so if taking ownership is focusing on honoring your voice instead of the expectation of others and inviting authentic existence is focusing on honoring your voice despite the expectation of others, then somewhere in between there or during all of that process is the start of building that resilience. And we don't do that all at once. It's not like you move from one guidepost to the other and suddenly you're resilient and, you know, you can, you can take feedback, (laughs) you know, and not have your feelings hurt and blah, blah, blah. You know, it's, I think that there's sort of this almost like a, through every guidepost that we travel, resilience is one of the tools we need to have with us. Absolutely. And unfortunately, (laughs) it's only in stepping into our courage that we can develop that resilience, you know, which comes first, the chicken or the egg. Ah, Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, the, the old definition of fear, uh, bravery is feel the fear, but do it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I have to say that there's been a resilience in my whole life. Uh, it didn't always feel that way because I did not allow, however difficult to hear that criticism was, I did not allow that to make me want to give up. Thank goodness. All. Yeah, because I've seen that sort of situation completely shut writers down, Mm -hmm. which is, and I've mentioned this before, that's why I have a love-hate relationship with critique groups is because done poorly, (laughs) they can destroy a writer's potential. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's very true. Yeah. That's very true. And so Kimbo. Experience. (laughs) I was just going to say that the experience allowed me later on when I enlisted beta readers, when I had finished the revisions, revisions from the first, I don't know how many drafts. Um, (laughs) And some of them were very blunt, but they did not, I don't know if I want to say wound, but they did not affect me in the same way that Mm -hmm. that early. You had resilience by then. Yes. And I was like, okay. In fact, I came to, I, now I have this understanding and I come to expect that. Oh, that's going mm-hmm. to be part of the process. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's yeah. what that is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And there's this ability not to take it personally, if you will. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Accept mm-hmm. it as a point of growth and, or not, you know, because not <laughs> yeah. everybody's right. <laughs> <laughs> and some of us don't want to have personal growth. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so speaking of which, I know you tried to slide that question right over to Melody Kimbu, but I'm not going to let you get out of this. So thank you, listeners. This has been another wonderful episode. <laughs> well, what was the question again? What do you want me to answer? Okay, so so I do see some differences here. As as I was listening to Melody, I was recognizing 
So she said that it wasn't until she was like in her 30s or 40s that she really recognized mm-hmm. this urge to write. Um, Kimbu, I know from our previous conversations that you've always been a writer since the time you could pick up a pencil. Um, and then there's me who hid my desire to be a writer so deeply, even from myself. And then once I, probably in my late 20s, early 30s, decided that I was gonna accept the fact that I wanted to be a writer. I didn't tell anybody that. I just started doing writing, right? Baby steps. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. But it's interesting that, you know, we all, we have three different, very different experiences in terms of like viewing ourselves as a writer. And I think that that sort of plays into these guideposts here because uh, I felt like when I was sort of hiding the fact that I was writing and wanted to do the writing, I was, I was dipping my toe into that taking ownership inner work part, but I was nowhere near ready to do the inviting authentic, authentic existence until much, much later. So I'm just curious about how you've experienced that, Kimbu, since you've sort of always considered yourself a writer, your answer to this question may have more to do, I I imagine, I'm not wanting to put words in your mouth, but of like putting out a new project or maybe a project that's different from anything else you've done before. So that's part of it. But as I was thinking about what you, how you were describing the three of us and, and Melody's experience with building up her resilience to feedback, the whole thing. I've realized that because I was determined to be a writer so young, that for me, it was kind of, I, I took those two guideposts and I flipped them. I was busy throwing words out into the world as much as I could, as soon as I could. And uh, we joke a lot about my mother's big red felt tip pin. Um, but my mother was my first editor. She was uh, whatever issues we have with <laughs> her her raising of me, um, she was a very good editor. She was very literate, very well read, and she was ruthless, ruthless. She was absolutely brutal with me about my writing from the time I was old enough to pick up a pencil. Mm-hmm. Like she did not hold back. And so by the time that I was uh, getting my first job writing as a reporter for a local news magazine in the mid-90s in Orlando, uh, I would submit articles and the editor would come in and go, oh, I'm so sorry. I had to cut a lot out of this because we're out of space. I'm like, ah, that's fine. I don't care. And they just look at me shocked because they're not used to writers just going, yeah, whatever. Cut whatever you need. I don't I don't care. That's fine. I can fix it. <laughs> like, <laughs> Give it back to me. I can fix it. But what that manifested as was a desire to put my writing out into the world in an inauthentic way because I hadn't done the internal oh. writing authentic work yet. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And so I wanted to write by genre conventions. I wanted to write according to how other people told me what people wanted to read. Um, I was a very good reporter for that reason. I wrote some really great articles for that news magazine because they would tell me, you know, I was very good at being prompted. Like, I need an article about this issue. It needs to be 1,300 words long or, you know, six inches of space back in the old days when people did our uh, math like that for 
publications, but yeah, you know, I kind of knew what I wanted to write. I kind of had an inkling, like kind of in the same way, Gina, you knew you wanted to be a writer, but you were hesitant to admit that openly. I was very open about the fact that I am a writer and I want to be a writer, but I was very closed off with what I really wanted to write. And so the authenticness had to come in through multiple disappointments of not being true to myself and not being true to what I really want to write and talk about and be known for and the characters I want to write and do the things that I want to do. I'd have to explore that a little bit more to get more articulate about exactly what I'm trying to explain. But I think that makes that's what makes sense to me when you were talking about it. Once again, your <laughs> stories have reminded me, and I will remind the listeners, how nonlinear this process is. Mm. And you referred to having sort of flipped those two guideposts when they're really, I mean, we talk about them in an, in an order just so we've got some order to these podcast episodes. But truthfully, <laughs> there is no defined order in which we experience them. Mm. Well, that's good because I didn't do it that way. <laughs> so glad I did it right after all we use the analogy of a A student (laughs) we use the analogy of a map in a previous episode and um yeah your map is spaghetti (laughs) (laughs) spaghetti thrown at the wall (laughs) honestly all of our maps are spaghetti because you know this this is a crazy process which is exactly what I love about it Exactly. And honestly, knowing the two of you as well as I do, we've been friends for years now. I, I'm still sometimes amazed, especially, you know, Melody, that you like didn't even start writing until you were in your 30s, 40s, and Soul of the Seasons was your first book. And Gina, to me, the thought that you ever didn't consider yourself a writer is just an anathema. I'm like, what? That? No, who is that? That can't possibly be it. And I think that's part of when you come into that. When you integrate the inner and the outer work, and we're all, it's an ongoing process, like mm-hmm. like as Melody pointed out earlier, it's never really done. But it's when you start working on that, it just becomes who you are. Yeah, you guys are writers. I would never see you any differently. Mm. I mean, you could stop writing tomorrow, and I would still say my writer friend. You know, that's just you've embraced that and and uh, holistically integrated it. I don't know. Kathleen's well, kind of corny. It's interesting that you use the word integrate and that it's an ongoing process because there is another I that we're going to get to in a couple of guideposts called integrating mm. and dedicating. And mm. again, it's going to carry some of the characteristics of taking ownership and inviting authentic existence because this is a reiterative process. It is something that we mm-hmm. must do over and over and over again as we go through our creative lives. So I'm really interested to see um, how Melody brings us into the um, sort of parallels between the five seasons of the creative process and this creativity quest that we've been talking about. And that's what we're going to dip into in the next episode. And Melody, you weren't present when we talked about this back in episode 29, Um, In my notes, I looked to see what season you aligned inviting authentic existence to. And basically it was all seasons. So, yeah. So (laughs) 
I think, I, yeah. I, I and I know going. you guys were uh, uh, dutifully following my notes where I had originally put down spring and then I thought about like, yeah, no, it's so much spring. It's, it's just, no, it's not. Yeah, it's basically all the seasons. It's that glue, that thread that runs through all the seasons. So Ooh. we're going to talk about that in our next podcast. Awesome. awesome. Well, I think um, Kimbu, our tech uh, person for this podcast, uh, will post the worksheet that went with episode mm-hmm. 29. We'll repost it uh, here oh. so that uh, if you didn't listen to that episode, do go back and do that. But the worksheet will also be on the page on our website, which is aroundtheriderstable.com for this discussion as well. Yep. I'll have that available. And as usual, there'll be a transcript of this episode on our podcast on our website for the podcast. And we also have a comment, a box there. You can leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you and uh, not the spammers. Spammers go away, but (laughs) our actual listeners, we'd love to hear from you. Please (laughs) let us know if you have any questions or any ideas for future episodes you'd like to have us talk about and uh, give us a review. If you're listening to us on any of your uh, favorite podcasting apps, Spotify, Apple Podcast. We're on YouTube now, so you might even be listening to us on the old YouTubies. Um, please give us a review or a thumbs up there as well. So we'd really appreciate it. And I think that's a wrap, ladies. We're going to head on out, and we'll see everybody in episode 33. Bye, everyone. Bye. Thanks for joining us around the writer's table. Please feel free to suggest a topic or a guest by emailing info at aroundtheriderstable.com. Music provided with gracious permission by Langtree. A link to their music is on our homepage at aroundtheriderstable.com. Everyone here around the writer's table wishes you joy in your writing and everyday grace in your living. Take care until next time.